Well, hello from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner, your host for this weekly Ageless Wisdom Mystery School class in personal and spiritual development topics. Our subject for the week, this week, is cynicism. It's going to be a little presentation about the truly dark side, the destructive aspects of being cynical and how it can really uh, corrode and eventually destroy your life. I'd like to talk a little about the history of the cynics, who the original cynics were in Greece about 2,500 years ago, what they represented, and then how the concept of small-c cynic or cynicism has evolved or maybe devolved over the years to the dark, um, lonely, and uh, life-crushing worldview that uh, many people harbor in this day and age. Uh, we will be taking your comments and questions by text. You can enter at the bottom of the web page in front of you. Uh, use the name and city field so we know who you are and where you are and in the appropriate box just above there uh, put your comment or your question and be sure and hit the submit button and if you choose to use the telephone which you can do at any time the numbers are right above the player you can use the primary number the backup or use that little link that opens up a whole bunch of numbers all over the U.S. if you're worried about long distance calls and um uh, Enter the conference ID, one prompted, that'll connect you. And once you're in, you'll be muted like everybody else. And if you want to ask a question on the telephone, press star 2. And I will see on my computer that you've raised your hand, and I will acknowledge it. Maybe not immediately, but I will acknowledge it. So you're free to, to raise your hand at any time, and you only need to do it once. doesn't help to do it again and again. Uh, just... Star 2 on your telephone touchpad indicates to me that you're raising your hand, and I'll acknowledge you as soon as I can, and bring you on the air. And you can ask your question, and we'll talk a little bit, a little follow-up, and a little back and forth, and then I'll put you back on mute. It's pretty cool. We just got this ability a few weeks ago. So uh, you have your choice. Right? If you're really, really bashful, you can submit by text, but some questions uh, and comments are hard to summarize, and you may want that live option. So we've upgraded the site, and we're happy to be able to offer that to you uh, from this point forward. Actually, we began a couple of weeks ago. Our first caller was from Amsterdam. Dr. Kev called in from Amsterdam. I thought that was so cool. Uh, let's see. So... That's pretty much the uh, the uh, the particulars that I wanted to mention at the top of the program, and I'll talk a little more at the end of the program about some of the other features. Our allied sister site at focusedpassion.com. I'll tell you just a little bit about our newsletter, blog, and the audio archives that you can visit. All of this stuff is free, and uh, we'll tell you more about it. Uh, at the end of the program. Cynicism. I got an email after I 
after I sent out the newsletter to all the subscribers a few days ago saying that our subject today was going to be cynicism, and one person write back and say, um, how did he phrase it? Uh, I'd like to give up cynicism, but what's the point? And then he put a little smiley face icon in there to make sure, you know, uh, like an LOL to make sure I knew that it was a joke and that he was in on his own joke. Uh, what is the point, right? Uh, why shouldn't we be cynical? Who should we trust? Doesn't everybody have a hidden agenda? Isn't everybody really, at the end of the day, really just out for themselves? Shouldn't we be negative and cynical? Isn't that the intelligent approach? Uh, I don't think so. And yet, you know, to be intelligent is something that I'm certainly in favor of. Uh, to be hip, uh, to be able to see clearly a scam, sure. But to allow that to darken your worldview and to live in a cynical place is not only corrosive, but destructive. And so let me talk a little about the history of these guys, where they came from. What did it mean 2,500 years ago to be a cynic? And then we'll talk about how that's changed over the years and embrace some similar movements. And then we'll bring it up to today. I'll tell you a little story about why I'm doing this program today and uh, how I was... Uh, sort of hurt and surprised by some responses I got this week to some email I sent out and why I chose to do a program today on cynicism. You probably aren't used to personal and spiritual development people talking about such dark things, but how can we grow if we're not willing to let go of what really does not serve us? And a lot of that personal growth is about trusting and respecting and loving other people. A cynic cannot do that. A cynic cannot trust. And if you can't trust other people, if you think they're all selfish and only out for themselves and that there's no kindness or generosity in the world, well, I think that speaks volumes about the cynic. That says more about the cynic than the person... Uh, that they suspect, if you understand my drift. Well, about 25 years ago, 25 years ago, listen to me, 25 centuries ago, about 500 years before the current era, 500 B.C., so-called, there was a fellow in uh, Greece named Diogenes. People didn't have last names in those days. He was just Diogenes. He was not the only Diogenes, but Diogenes the Cynic, we will call him. And he gets credit for having really begun or started this movement, if you will, this early philosophy in the in ancient Greece. He was a contemporary, roughly, of uh, Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. And uh, the word cynic, if we begin just with the definition of the word, the, the, there's some confusion around the derivation, but general agreement that in Greek the word cynic means dog. 
D-O-G, arf, arf, dog. Well, why would somebody call themselves a dog? And what what is being a dog have to do with being a cynic, as originally conceived uh, 2,500 years ago? Well, a dog is not interested in social conventions. A dog does what it wants to do wherever it is and just does not care what other people think. So uh, the dog wants to relieve himself and there's a tree, there he goes. And uh, you find something to eat, he's going to eat. He's not going to worry about what other people think. And and that's, as near as we can tell in, in current times, the the derivation of the word cynic is somebody who defied and opposed the social norms and conventions of the time. Starting with, and I found this interesting, the, the people that ran the pagan temples, who the cynics called the big thieves. Cynics talked about the big thieves and the little thieves, and the big thieves to the cynics of 500 B.C. were those priests and others in the temple who basically were about money. And, you know, we we think of the corruption in the Catholic Church that led to the Reformation and the corruption in the Protestant churches uh, that followed and the church, like any other institution, government or private corporation or a union, all institutions are prone by their very nature to corruption. We find it especially hypocritical in a spiritual organization like a church or a temple or a mosque, but nevertheless, you see the corruption. You can see the corruption in Iran right now. The people of Iran, although they have their uh, theocracy, they have their religious government um, led by holy men who speak for God. It's as corrupt as any other government. And that's the nature of human institutions. Well, we shouldn't be surprised to discover that this was true long before Christ Jesus walked the earth, right? Um, so the people that ran the pagan temples, uh, to the gods of Mount Olympus were just as corrupt as church uh, people can be. I'm not saying all are, but many, many are. Uh, in all churches, in all religions, in all societies, institutions tend to be corrupt. Power corrupts. And it was no different then. So the big thieves were the guys that ran the pagan temples and were extorting money from people. And the little thieves were the politicians and other eminent people of status who uh, were part of the larger scheme. Big thieves and little thieves were a favorite in the churches, in the pagan temples, were um, the big uh, enemies, if you will, of the early cynics. But there was also the court of the day, if you will, um, these were not courts as we think of them in Europe in the Renaissance era uh, before the um, civil wars and revolutions of, uh, of the post-Renaissance era, but similar, where the basically two classes 
you had the, the the poor. I guess you could say slaves were a third class, but to be a slave or to be very poor, and then to be very wealthy, there really was no middle class, of course. So the very wealthy were interested, at least according to the cynics, only in uh, fame, fortune, and fashion. The three F's. Nice alliteration, right? And so the cynic uh, was hostile to uh, and critical of those wealthy socialites, if you will, who hung around with the pagan priests and um, were interested, again, in the three Fs, fame and fortune, uh, who you know, how much money you have, and fashion, even then. Hard to believe, right? 500 B.C., ooh, those are cool sandals. <laughs> where'd you get those groovy, uh, where'd you get that cool toga with the sequins on it? Uh, and apparently there was fashion uh, in ancient Greece. Well, uh, the cynics were people, starting with Diogenes, who really gets credit for beginning the movement, who hated that. They just despised that. They saw it phony, and most of all, unvirtuous or without virtue and the early cynics saw their philosophy as a pursuit of virtue that's the first thing you have to know about ancient cynicism is the purveyors of the capital C cynicism movement the original cynics saw their world view as a path toward virtue in addition to virtue, they very much cherished uh, and respected hard work. All right, you talk about where did the Protestant work ethic start from, and what's so Protestant about it? Well, it's not. <laughs> it started long ago. That hard work, toil, labor, backbreaking sweat was virtuous. That God liked it if you were out digging ditches. God likes it if you're uprooting tree stumps to create a field. To work hard is virtuous, right? I think you can understand that. And and not to work hard, to be slothful or lazy uh, was just the opposite. That would be a vice rather than a virtue. So the cynics rejected the fame, fortune, and fashion goals and desires of the social elite, but all social conventions were rejected. And in addition to that, as I'm saying, they really worshipped uh, the adversity of nature, the idea of, of hard work being virtuous, of uh, reason. They were very much into reason and logic. They saw reason as being virtuous and to be swayed by your emotions would be more of a vice than a virtue. You have to be reasonable about all things and not swayed. They, they had no understanding, of course, of emotional intelligence, of an ability to understand yourself and empathize with others more effectively by managing the emotion, calming the emotion, but in a non-logical not illogical, but a non-logical way, learning what you can about yourself 
once you've calmed your emotions through your intuitive nature, which is different than reasoning. Intuition complements reasoning. Uh, reason generally uh, moves from the from the broad to the narrow, from general to specific. That's the nature of logic: is to break something down into little pieces. Well. How do you go the other way? How do you reason from specific to general? Well, there is such a thing as inductive logic. It's difficult to explain and not very reliable. But maybe a better way of talking about the complement of logic, general to specific, the complement would be how do I reason from all these details to an overarching concept? That would be intuition, and that's a part of emotional intelligence. Well, the cynics knew nothing of this. They were into cold, calculating, rational, deductive logic, which which they called reason. So they were into reason, they were into hard work, and they really rejected the idea of acquiring material goods. There were anti-materialists in terms of finding any satisfaction in acquiring stuff, even money itself. So uh, the cynics saw poverty as well as virtuous. Poverty, hard work, reason created what they saw as freedom. And that was the, the virtues of the ancient cynic. Not, not, not bad goals, actually. It's a little odd to think that the only way to be virtuous would be to be poor, impoverished, and have to work very, very hard. But if you're an either-or thinker, as many were in this day, and the only alternative was to be rich and famous and bound up in social climbing and people-pleasing and, you know, uh, forgive me, butt-kissing, shall we say it that way, uh, they just despised that. And they were, in a sense, they wanted to be more real. And uh, so they went the other way. They went to the other extreme. Well, my point in telling you this is that cynicism today is hardly a search for virtue. Cynicism today has become very dark and almost nihilistic, a very negative worldview that is destructive to the individual, not only to the victims of their cynicism, not only are they hurt uh, by feeling suspected and unloved and unrespected, and but the cynic suffers most. That's the tragedy, isn't it? Isn't that always the case? And what is cynicism, an inability to love or trust or respect other people, assuming everybody's got a hidden agenda and everybody's out for themselves, what does that do to to the cynic? Right? And how do we find a balance? These are the open-ended questions of today's class. How do we find a balance between the dark, negative, uh, nihilistic, Oh, a worldview of the uh, of the cynic of of 
of today and just being intelligent and hip and understanding that if somebody shows up and says we're from the government, trust us, that that's the last thing you should, <laughs> that's the last thing you want to do. Uh, and do people deserve the benefit of your doubt? Should we trust people initially or do they have to earn our trust or do we trust them until they give us a reason not to trust them? These are some of the open-ended questions I put to you here, and I'm going to speak a little on it, but I really want your input. Again, type it in on the on the page in front of you if you're on the web or if you're on the telephone or willing to pick up the phone. Um, call me with your question, and I'll bring you on in just a few minutes. We'll go to both the telephone call questions, and I'll bring you on if you press star 2 when you're ready. Uh, you can wait. Just call in, and when you're ready to raise your hand, press star two, asterisk, you know, and uh, asterisk and the number two to raise your hand. And we'll talk a little more about this. Uh, finding this balance is what I'm talking about. But I think that, um, you know, to be at a little cynical, I'll say it this way, it's a matter of degree, to be somewhat cynical is just a sign of intelligence. You know, uh, the word free is still a very powerful word. And yet, just as well known in society is the aphorism, the convention, the wisdom, well, there's no free lunch. There is no free... If somebody offers you a free lunch, you get a coupon in the mail. Let us buy you dinner. Well, you know that after dinner, there's going to be big burly guards at the door who aren't going to let you out, until, <laughs> or they'll intimidate you in some way, until you listen to their spiel on timeshare condos or some such thing. Uh, and uh, who is so naive in the year 2009 as to accept one of these bulk mail invitations to a free dinner and not think there's going to be some sort of spiel. Uh, we're talking about doing a, uh, a live seminar on uh, the Big Island in a few weeks, uh, Steve and I and a friend of ours, uh, Larry. And one of the things that we're talking about is how much to charge. And we talked about, well, if we make it free, People being as cynical as they are, they're going to know that, you know, we got something up our sleeve. So, or I guess there's also the idea that if it's free, it couldn't really be worth very much. So they're going to have to, that's part of the cynicism, I guess, they're going to have to be selling something. Uh, and isn't that unfortunate? But at the same time, isn't it smart? How do we find that balance? I think just to be aware that there, there is a middle, a third way, is the way a Buddhist would talk about it. The third way, the middle way, is not always the 50-yard line. It could be an 80-20 or a 20-80. It could be a 30-70, a 60-40. Where that balance point is between everything and nothing uh, is a dynamic, the in-breath and the out-breath of that dynamic. So in one situation... It might be a good idea to be very, very cynical and very, very careful, you know. Like, I smell a rat here, 
And I don't think that this offer, you know, is quite what it seems to be. Uh, you can poke around the Internet for just a few minutes or follow a couple of links on Twitter or a couple of ads on Facebook, and bam, there, you don't have to go far, bam, there's a guy promising to make millions of dollars. I made $3 million in 15 minutes, and you can too. And you're going, yeah, sure, right. And yet, to some extent, that stuff works, or people wouldn't be doing it. Like I said, free works. 99 cents works. You know, we have these premium podcasts on FocusedPassion.com, and we're going to sell them for a buck apiece. And we decided 99 cents. Why? It doesn't, you know, because it sounds like a better deal. Now, who's the cynic? (laughs) Am I being cynical? It works. By the way, that was invented by uh, uh, Penny, J.C. Penny. What was his name? Jean-Claude Penney, I don't know. I forget now, but I think there really was a guy, J.C. Penny, that founded that department store chain, and he's the guy that used to sell things for 99 cents. Well, you can see a house now listed at $999,999.99, one penny short of a million dollars. Uh, it's like, why don't you just say a million dollars, right? I'm going to save a penny on a house. It's the psychology of it, and it does work, even though we are really cynical and and suspicious and and resistant to trusting people, um, respecting people, or even thinking people are basically good. I think that's a question we have to ask also. Do you believe that there is essential goodness in people? That they're born wanting to be good, and if they lie, cheat, steal, and uh, pursue a lifestyle of vice, um, is that the aberration? Is that the exception? Or are uh, we living in a chaotic universe where there is no justice and no reason for love or trust or respect, and we'd be fools if we didn't assume right out of the gate that somebody you just meet is absolutely untrustworthy, undeserving of your respect and uh, your love, and make them earn it. And even then, you know, I know people, or know of them, uh, people who've been married for years, decades, and still don't trust each other. Johnny Carson got into TV 40 years ago with a program called Do You Trust Your Wife? If that program were on today on Fox, it would be Do You Trust Your Spouse? We'd have to take the sexist reference out of there. Do you trust your husband? But Johnny Carson's first TV show was Do You Trust Your Wife? Later it became Who Do You Trust? Well, who do you trust? And are you willing to give people the benefit of the doubt? Have you gotten pretty good at reading people? Right? Where do you start with giving people the benefit of the doubt? They are trustworthy. They deserve my respect. Everyone merits personal dignity 
and is worthy of at least some degree of my love and my trust and my sympathy and my understanding until they prove me wrong, right? And if that happens repeatedly, maybe it's going to be hard for them to earn my trust back. Or do you start as the cynic? I don't trust anybody. And then it's going to be difficult. How do I earn your trust if you're a cynic? How do I develop a relationship with you where you honor that I get some degree of respect, uh, a so-called modicum of respect, uh, just because I exist? And if I didn't do anything to you or hurt you and I'm not lying about you or trying to steal from you or or pull a Bernie Madoff or a Sarah Palin, uh, don't I get the benefit of the doubt? Can't we start there with loving and trusting and respecting people? Uh, strangers right out of the box, unless or until they give you reason to be wary. Okay. I have a short story that I want to tell about what brought this up for me. Uh, I have a newsletter list of about 1,100 or 1,200 people. And if you're listening now, live or by replay, it's likely you received that newsletter and you're on my list. Well, one of the things I do for my private clients when I counsel and train and consult people, I keep a list of private clients, people that I've met face-to-face or worked with over the telephone on a one-on-one basis, and I use a system that I subscribe to on the web to send them real greeting cards in the post, you know, snail mail, a real physical greeting card that that I put together on the web, it's pretty cool, and send out. And this company, they're called Send Out Cards, they have a program, Send to Give, for people who know of, oh, tragic stories or um, stories that really touch your heart, that are full of love, um, tenderness, sweetness. Um, They'll post those little stories with an address and, and since you're a champion card sender anyway, you can send them a little card. So a mutual friend has a contact on the big island here with a a little fellow that uh, is very, very sick. As an infant contracted a, uh autoimmune disease that makes his life extremely fragile. And uh, I thought, perfect, I'll post that on my... Uh, greeting card site and I did that you know send a card to this little fella a get well card or a thinking of you card or a just because card and imagine the thrill he'll get he can't even go to school he can't go outside and play he's seven years old and housebound and he's got to be fed every four hours and the family is housebound and wouldn't they all love it if we could get a, a couple of dozen cards or even you know 10 or 15 cards to the kid and after I posted that on my um, 
this business greeting card sign I use for my clients and customers, I thought, well, I'm going to send that to the people on my newsletter list, too. So chances are you got that. You got an email from me, besides the newsletter this week, that said, uh, dear, whatever your first name is, Bill, Joe, Sally, Kathy, dear first name, uh, I need your help uh, with something. And if you have a mind and if you... If uh, this touches you and you'd like to send a card, uh, just a greeting card to let this kid know that somebody knows about him. And I mean, they live in a very remote area of Hawaii. Uh, this is like old Hawaii, right? I said, here's a post office box address. Send him a card. That's all I said. I didn't ask for money, right? I just sent them a greeting card if you got a mind. I thought my people, people that are interested in personal growth and spiritual growth and fulfillment, certainly some significant percentage of them, maybe one in a hundred, would actually send a card. So, well, as I expected, I got some wonderful response. A lot of people uh, said, yeah, I'll send them a card far out, you know, and some people said, is there anything else I can do? And I said, well, I I don't know. I think if you click on the website, uh, they're trying to get him a hospital bed, but as far as uh, bikes and toys, you know, he can't go outside. So just send him a card and look at the website if you want. That's all that. Well, I got from newsletter people, and maybe, maybe they didn't recognize who it was from. I think most people know the name Michael Benner. Maybe because it didn't have the newsletter banner on top. Which means they're automatically unsubscribed and can never receive email from me again. And I got one really hostile email from a cynic. A guy that says, what's your scam? What are you doing? Do you think I'm an idiot? Don't you think I understand that this is marketing 101 and that you're trying to make money on this? And I was devastated. Not for long. <laughs> I've got the tools. I've got the skills. Uh, I, t- I took a deep breath and I relaxed and I recovered pretty quickly. <sighs> but then I went on and read more of this diatribe against how I must think he's stupid that I would uh, ask him to send a greeting card to this sick kid, seven years old. He weighs 25 pounds. He has this... Uh, uh, it's just... It just boggled my mind that there was no room in this person's life to consider the possibility that all I wanted was for some of the folks I sent this email to to send a card. I I didn't think very many people would do it, but if one in a hundred sent a greeting card, the kid would get 11 cards. That's pretty far out, right? And that's, that's all it was about. And I found it devastating. Uh, not personally, just in terms of my disappointment in this individual. And I started thinking, 
I mean, my compassion kicked in for this guy, for the cynic. And I started thinking, what a horrible world view. That this, I'm not going to tell you who he is, obviously. I won't tell you his name or where he lives or anything. But to think that this fella uh, has such a distorted and dark, even nihilistic worldview as to suspect that I'm trying to make some money that I've got a, uh, I'm, I'm using this sick kid as leverage, right? And that I've got a hidden agenda. It's not really about the greeting card. Or worse yet, in his implication, it wasn't really clear. Worse yet, that this kid's family is going to use their little boy's devastating illness to try to make some money, some profit when they live in poverty in an extremely remote section of the of the wet side of the Big Island. I mean, tourists never... The, the, the Big Island of Hawaii and Maui both have leeward sides. The, it's the east and the northeast side that are extremely wet rainforests, and tourists never go there. Tourists are always on the leeward side, did I get that right? Windward and leeward. It rains on the windward side. The leeward side is where the tourists are. So that'd be Kona, uh, the Big Island. That'd be Lahaina, Kanapali, in in Maui. And if you've been a tourist in Hawaii on either of those islands, you were probably on the west side of the island where it's dry, the golf courses, and the sunny beaches. Well, these people live on the wet side in the jungle, uh, probably off the grid. I don't know if they have electricity or not. But I just thought, look, all of us are cynical. We just lived through eight years of George Bush and Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld. You're a fool if you're not somewhat cynical. But you're also a fool if you don't recognize that people are basically good and kind and loving, are you going to let George Bush and Dick Cheney and the corruption of our government and corporations and other institutions rob you of your ability to recognize genuine goodness in people and kindness and respect and sympathy? You see. And so... That's my purpose in this show today as part of promoting personal and spiritual growth. I think we have to manage carefully, intelligently, our cynicism and be smart and alert and hip to the fact that a lot of people do not merit our trust and do have a scam and are out to get us, but not everybody. And not most people. Not even close to most people. You want to apply the 80-20 rule here? That 20% of people will never merit your trust, and 80% will almost always merit your love, trust, and respect. Right? Or maybe even a 90-10 rule. People are good. Look at children. Anyone that's had children or spent any time around children knows that they are born good, kind, loving, 
they have their problems with sharing. They have their problems with immediate gratification, and little kids and infants want what they want, when they want it, I want it now. And they have problems with living in a world of shared form, not wanting to share their toys, thinking that if they share the toy, they'll never get it back. And but 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 having acknowledged that, children are wonderful. They're filled with innate joy. They just effervesce. They bubble happiness and goodness. I don't think it's any coincidence that people have named God and the devil after these concepts of good and evil. They're just personifications of good and evil. And religion rolls out after that. It's no coincidence that God is good and the evil is evil. <laughs> the devil is evil. Uh, they're personifications of the force of goodness in the absence of the force. I was watching the trailer for Harry Potter the other day, and I love the Harry Potter stuff, but I do have issues about the violence. Wizards using violence is absurd. And uh, the fact that there's something called evil forces or evil spirits is also absurd. Uh, in the spiritual realm, there is nothing evil. There is that which uh, is unrefined, perhaps, but what we think of as evil is limited, I assure you, to the physical world. Evil is real, and evil exists in the physical world, but it is not a spiritual force any more than darkness or cold are forces. They are the absence of light and warmth. Um, and you might think of it as a force, but it's actually, because it impacts you, but it's actually the absence of the force. we got to get that straightened around. There are, nobody's born evil. Nobody is born bad. Hitler was born, right, Stalin and even George Bush and Dick Cheney, hard to believe, were at one time adorable little babies. Somebody along the way trained them to be cynical, to be greedy, to be corrupt, and to be evil. And that's real enough, and it exists in the world. And like pond scum, these guys tend to float to the top. There's a lot of discussion in the media now about narcissism among politicians. Well, isn't that redundant to be a narcissistic politician or a narcissistic captain of industry? Isn't that a bit redundant? Isn't that who gets up there by stepping on and crushing and destroying, doing whatever they need to do to attain that goal, that lust, that greed for power and money, that insatiable greed, you know, Rumsfeld, Cheney, and Bush, just to name three of these guys, they're all worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And they have children and grandchildren, and they're old and should be retired, and they got plenty of money, and they could be playing with the kids and golfing all day, and isn't hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars enough? No. Because it's not really about the money, right? It's about the fact that they've been corrupted by power, and not knowing the power of love and life, the power of kindness and goodness, the power of sharing and caring, all they know is the power of patriarchy, 
the power of dominance and submission, the power of stealing and theft and corruption. But be careful. As an intelligent, well-educated, sophisticated, alert individual, be hip to that, but don't project it onto other people. And having said that much, I want to go to the text comments and the telephones to see if we can engender some some conversation from you guys, some input on what you think works for you and maybe for other people to temper your cynicism so that it's appropriate and limited to those people that merit <laughs> being viewed as untrustworthy so that we can avoid being pulled down by our own cynicism and being destroyed and devoured by our own cynicism such that we're no longer able to see goodness and kindness and charity in the world. Um, Say what you want about Michael Jackson. He was a freaky little kid, incredibly talented, and a very complex person, but Among all of those things, he holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the amount of money that he has given away, at least as an entertainer. I don't think he can match Warren Buffett or or Bill Gates or these guys that gave away $30 billion to charity. I don't think he gave away that much, but as an entertainer who's, who's earning the money himself pretty much, right, not some captain of industry and finance, uh, he's got the record. Uh, and that kind of philanthropy and charity is uh, to be admired. And I also feel like mentioning, you know, philanthropy is not simply something that rich people can do. Uh, you can live on a very limited income and be a philanthropist with your time, be a philanthropist with your caring attention, be a philanthropist in the way you prioritize your life and your relationships with other people. To be charitable, you know, there's an archaic definition of charity that most people don't understand. It hasn't been used in over 150, maybe 200 years, but charity with a capital C, like Faith, Hope, and Charity, where they capitalize the letter C, in charity, that's more than giving your clothes to goodwill or putting a couple of bucks in Santa's bucket out in front of the Salvation Army. Capital C charity, now an archaic definition, but boy, a beautiful one, meant seeing the love of God in all people And I would say, in all things. To recognize that not only are all things in God, but God is in all things. Uh, That as Moses and Christ said, you should not only love God with all of your heart and mind and soul, which is the totality of all that exists, not a man on the cloud, but also love thy neighbor as thyself, because you're part of the same oneness, part of the same universe. I don't have it handy, but there's a famous quote by Einstein that says, uh, I mean, what a brilliant scientist. Albert Einstein said, 
we appear to live in a universe where everything is separated from everything else, and even our thoughts and feelings are separated. But Einstein says that is a, a delusion of consciousness, that we are separated. In fact, we are part of a whole called the universe, the one thing. And that's a major leap in your personal growth to engender and foster and promote for yourself and people that you love a worldview that says we appear to be separated from each other in a world of separated form where it's this or that, me or you, us or them, right or wrong, winners or losers. Aren't you about fed up with that? Wouldn't you like to shift to a worldview where it's you and me, us and them, this and that, right and wrong to a relative degree, winners and losers to a relative degree? Like I, I often say, the guy with the silver medal in the Olympics, is maybe he didn't win the gold, but is he really a loser? <laughs> Isn't there a relative, both and, somewhere in the middle? Well, of course there is. But not to the cynic. Okay? So, develop that. And let's go to the questions that you have. Uh, again, if you're on the uh, webpage, if you're live with us today on, what is it, the 12th of July, 2009, you can use the webpage to submit a text question. Uh, or a comment, put it in the box with your name and city below that, and then be sure and hit submit. If you're on the t telephone or would like to go to the telephone now, uh, dial the number that's on the page in front of you above the player. If you're concerned about long distance, click the link that says other numbers and choose. There's numbers all over America you can use to call me live right now. Okay. And uh, enter the conference ID. That's the important thing. That will plug you in. And then if you have a question and you'd like me to acknowledge it on the telephone, then hit star 2. That will raise your hand. And I'll go to, uh, to anybody that uh, wants to talk to me on the phone or by the web. Let's start with the, uh, let's see where we are with the telephones here. Okay, I don't see anybody with their hand raised yet. So let's go over to the web page or come back to the phones in just a minute. We go to the web page and refresh that. Just saying hi and checking in as always from La Habra is Carol, who I talked to earlier today, and she says hello again to. Not only me, but also Doreen and Steve, too, who is with us this morning. Thank you, Carol. Nice to hear from you, as always. Out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Drew writes and says, Hello, Michael. I used to listen to you 30 years ago in Los Angeles on KLOS, and I'm so glad I found you again uh, a few months ago. She says about, well, it could be he or she, I guess, Drew, about six months ago. Today's the first time I'm able to listen live. Uh, best of the best to you. Drew, and thanks Drew, and hello to our friends in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania, it's a beautiful state, rolling hills, mountains, very nice. 
I grew up in Michigan, so I always saw Pennsylvania as being like Michigan, but with hills. Very nice. Uh, out of uh, England, in uh, he calls it the UK, uh, United Kingdom somewhere. Jacob Martin, who's been with us before, is checking in. Uh, and he says, Hi, Michael. Regarding cynicism and distrust, I think it's all related to ego and being defensive. Sometimes ego, in a way, likes to be offended. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I tend to try to give people trust regardless, as I've learned to let go of the feeling or even the thought of being offended, as I realize that it's just a thought concept. Um, that's designed to create more separation. Uh, like humbleness or humility is always the best route. Many thanks for your program, and hope you're well. Peace and love. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks for that. Ego has a lot to do with it. Ego has a lot to do with any sense of separation, and I can't trust you because I don't know you. And if you think everybody is basically evil and untrustworthy, <laughs> Like I said before, what does that say about you? Aren't you part of everybody? So if nobody can be trusted, aren't you really saying that you cannot be trusted? Isn't that the admission that the cynic doesn't seem to understand? They're like really holding themselves out and saying, well, I can't trust anybody except, of course, myself, right? It's like that, uh, what's that country western song, Nobody Loves Me Except My Mama? And I'm not so sure about her. Something like that. Uh, out of Los Angeles, Patricia Vegas says, Hello, Michael. Aloha. Aloha, Dream. And hello, Patricia. Nice to hear from you. She says, I missed the address to the child in uh, in Hawaii. I would like to send one if I could. You know the old saying, He who trusts no one knows that he is not to be trusted. But maybe that's a little cynical, too. Um, let's see I've ridden the buses to and from work daily and you're right most people are good most people want to help if they can and most always return a smile there you go thank you Patricia thanks for having your faith in humanity again I think conversely that would say a lot about you as well Um, I'm sure you got the email Patricia um, with the address and uh if you didn't, just send me an email and I'll answer back. Um, a great email address. The best email address for you guys to reach me, my primary email address is my initials, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Always remember the T-H-E is in there. mb at theagelesswisdom.com. And uh, I'll send that out to you. Uh, again, because this program is available by replay forevermore, um, I'd like to handle the address by live. You know, so check your email. I'm Patricia, you're on my list. I'm sure you got one. In uh, Tucson, Lorelai's with us again this week. Always nice to hear from you, Lorelai. Thank you. She says aloha. Great class. I took your advice from last week's class, and I have to tell you, the whole situation has turned around. A bad situation turned into an exciting adventure in personal growth. Thanks again for all your insight and great awareness and education. Love to you and Doreen. 
let's see, as I remember, Lorelei last week was wondering whether she should risk a promotion that she wasn't sure she could handle at work or stay where she was. And what do you think I told her? <laughs> yeah, of course. Go for it. And uh, I probably gave her a little advice. I don't remember all of the details now, but, you know, to believe in yourself, uh, to give yourself the benefit of the doubt, it's just more of what we're talking about today. Uh, don't be cynical about yourself. Believe in your own goodness, your own trustworthiness, your own de- being deserving of respect. Um, the ego initially takes credit for all of that. But you know the difference because the ego wants to feel either superior or inferior. The ego really reinforces the idea that I am not you, and that we are all separate. That is the ego's identity. Identify with the separative self for purposes, frankly, of survival. Right? As we move into a more civilized society, away from laws of the jungle, and we do become more civilized, the need for the ego becomes less and less. We'll always need an ego as long as we live in separated bodies in a world of separated form. But we can learn to appropriate that ego, to care for it, so to speak, to manage it, from the elevated perspective of a higher, uh, kinder, and wiser self. And that's what we're developing, the higher self, the wiser self. That we say lives in paradise. That's our program at FocusedPassion.com. The premium audio Steve and I do, that series is called Finding Your Self, capital S, in Paradise, using Meditation, contemplation, visualization, relaxation, right? Meditation and contemplation, going into those states of mind and doing your emotional and mental intelligence, your goal setting and problem solving in those levels of mind The ego gives way to a higher self that is more unitive, more harmonious, and sees mutual benefits in behaving that way. Um, So we've got a good turnout today, but you're all bashful. Nobody wants to raise their hand. We have callers, but nobody's raising their hand. I'll keep this window open if you change your mind. I've got about seven minutes after the hour. And uh, I'll check back on the web. And, again, if you have a question you want to ask by telephone and you're already on the phone, press star 2. Otherwise, pick up the phone. You can have both on. It's just the web is delayed by 15 seconds. So turn it down when you pick up the phone to call. And uh, press star 2 once you're hooked into the conference. Enter the conference ID, get hooked in, and star 2 will raise your hand. And I'll come back and check that after the uh, exercise. But let's do that now, okay, if we have no other questions. Let's uh, do a little visualization exercise 
to install these lessons and help you find that better balance so that you can be smart, cynical, and appropriate. But, you know, uh, the phrase I keep using is benefit of the doubt. I think I think everybody deserves our trust. And I know everybody deserves our respect. Everybody is entitled to dignity and respect. And if you can't do that or won't do that, well, again, that's more about you than them, isn't it? So if you are one of those who is so cynical that you think, well, trust has to be earned. I don't trust anybody. I don't respect anybody. I don't love anybody until they give me evidence. Well, again, that's your worldview, so that's more about you than them also. So what kind of person do you want to be? That will determine the worldview. So let's install that at a deeper level, at a level of focused passion. Get comfortable. Sit up straight. Not rigid. You're not a two-by-four. You can lean back in your chair, lean back on your pillow. But sit upright so that you're balanced. Put your shoulders back to open up the rib cage. Breathe ah, slowly and deeply. Take two or three nice, slow, deep breaths. If you inhale through the nose, that oxygen gets right into those blood capillaries through the nasal passages. You can exhale through the nose or the mouth. And after two or three or maybe four really slow, deep breaths, turn your breathing over to autopilot. It's a very important step to let go of intentional breathing and allow your body to breathe itself. Liberates you. It frees you to watch your body breathing itself as you would watch the waves crashing on the beach or the wind in the trees. You just sit back with your attention focused gently on the bottom of your nose and observe. The natural ebb and flow of your breathing. Watching your body breathe itself all by itself and realizing that you need not be the breather. That you can be the one who observes or witnesses the breath. This is training for mindfulness. For that Detachment, that one step back that allows you to see more inclusively the bigger picture and promotes the conceptual view of you existing in a universe, a single entity one mind, 
one heart and one physical body with 150 billion galaxies averaging each 100 to 150 billion star systems. The body of the universe. It also has a mind and a heart. And you are a bit of that. You are a particle seemingly separated. And in a sense, when we detach, you might say, well, isn't that separating? Oddly, no. Mindful detachment is not a separation. It's taking a step back to see the unity and the harmony, to get the bigger picture, to be the awareness of your body breathing. Is to say, I am this body, but I am also my thoughts, and I am also my feelings, but most of all, I am the awareness of this trinity of thought, feeling, and physical body. A lower correspondence of the divine trinity is the mental, emotional, and physical nature that you witness from a point of view of mindful awareness and see the bigger picture. And if you did nothing else but follow your breath for 10 or 15 minutes, letting go of all distractions, internal or external, whether your mind begins to race and you think of other things, or a dog barks, or a ambulance with sirens blaring goes by your house, as soon as you're aware you've been distracted, take a single slow deep breath, and as you exhale that breath, uh, let go, simply let go of the distraction. You don't fight it, you drop it, and come back, to the bottom of your nose and simply watch at the very point where breath enters and leaves the body watch the body breathing itself to develop an awareness of who you really are however for the purpose of our exercise today I'd like you to at this point, move your awareness from the bottom of your nose into an area just below your heart. Above your tummy, above the navel, sort of where the rib cage comes together at the bottom of the sternum, between the heart and the belly. Put your awareness there. either as if you exist in that place or as if you still exist in your head where most people reside, but you can watch that place. Below the heart, but above the tummy. And 
as you either watch that place or become aware of yourself existing in that place, I want you to be aware of and even bring to mind through the emotional nature a sense of kindness. Remembering perhaps when someone was kind to you and it mattered, it made a difference. When somebody granted you a modicum of respect and a bit of dignity, maybe at a time when you weren't sure whether you even deserved dignity or respect. Remember a time, perhaps several, when you felt trusted by another person. And see if you can feel in this area, between the solar plexus and the heart, that kindness. Feel how that kindness felt. How that little bit of respect from another, that granting of a certain degree of dignity, kindness, and somebody who thought you were pretty okay, how that felt in your body. And let's take a few moments and dare to dwell in the feeling of being trusted and respected, loved and granted by another kindness, sympathy and trust. How does that feel in your body? It feels pleasant and pleasurable. It may feel like a warmth, perhaps a glow. However, it occurs to you kinesthetically in your body, not just in your head, but in your body. However, that love, trust, and respect, that kindness toward you feels, imagine it spreading throughout your body. Let that gentle warmth, that comfort, let that glow grow and spread throughout the ribcage and down into your legs and across your shoulders and flow into your arms until all the way down into your feet, the soles of your feet, the tip of your toes, down through the elbows and wrists into the tips of your fingers into every little nook and crevice and cranny in your body. Imagine yourself filled with this glow of feeling loved and trusted and respected and having been granted a kindness and given the benefit of the doubt. And imagine that glow begin to grow and emanate from you, radiate from you. And 
just allow yourself to soak that up and once filled to emanate in all directions to radiate gently offering it up and then I'd like you to lift this feeling or set of feelings in frequency simply by forming the intention you need do nothing at all physically just form the intention to lift this feeling from that place that central focus between the heart and the tummy lift it into the heart just bring it up one click as you imagine now granting your trust your respect giving away your love giving away your kindness and initiating as a leader would do that feeling of respect that all people are born good and ultimately what evil or darkness they may manifest is born only of their fear and ultimately the most evil people deserve our compassion and there may be times where a bit of cynicism is appropriate but don't live there live from grace and elegance from kindness from giving the benefit of the doubt lift it just one click there it is coming right into the heart as you now radiate what a moment ago you had sensed yourself receiving. You give away and offer up from the heart your trust, your belief in humanity, and remind yourself if you're afraid of being played as a fool, if you're afraid of being seen as gullible, if you're afraid of being disappointed because you trusted someone and they let you down, you don't need to retreat. You need, instead, I would suggest, to remind yourself you can handle that disappointment. And rather than become jaded and cynical and anticipate the worst in people, you redouble your efforts to see the goodness and the kindness and you initiate that love and trust as Patricia was saying about the smile on the bus being returned don't wait to receive the smile to return it offer the smile the nod the seat here, sit here <laughs> the newspaper, you're done reading it pass it on Initiate that kindness. It's such a simple thing. It's so easy to do. And in most cases you'll be rewarded, but even if not, if you're caught off guard, 
and somebody, it turns out, doesn't really merit that, well, what have you really lost? Maybe you planted a seed that needs some time to take hold. Think of the people that have trusted you and believed in you. Maybe you weren't able to return that immediately, but over time, their belief in you grew into something that benefited you in the area of believing in yourself. We don't need to be loved by others to know that we have the ability to love them. But there are times in our lives when we need that. And having said that, it's always a good time to remember that you have that ability, that free will, always to form the intention to lead with trust and respect and dignity and grace and kindness. Tell yourself how easy it will be to remember this and to bring it into the waking state. As I suggest now that you take a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling, fill your lungs fully and completely. And as you exhale, ah, wide awake, alert, feeling rested and refreshed and back in the world, feeling fine. And uh, who knows? maybe even changed or affected a little bit. Well, that's about all the time we have. I uh, I still don't have anybody who has their hand raised, but I have a few other people who submitted text messages I'll acknowledge quickly. Uh, Linda Allen in Santa Barbara is with us today. Thank you, Linda. Always nice to hear from you. Sorry, I don't have time to read your message out loud. And also, Jessica Gwynn in Los Angeles says, hello, thanks for everything. I was very touched, and I will be reading those. i got to get off before half past. And, uh, thank you very much, Linda and Jessica, and everybody else who uh, participated today, uh, Patricia and uh, Robert, and who else do we have? Lorelei. And, oh, Patricia's on here twice, so I guess I forgot to acknowledge Robert before in Irvine. Hello. And Jacob in England, and uh, Drew in Pennsylvania, and Carol in La Habra. Thanks so much for being here. Remember, if you like these programs, forward them to your friends. Go to theagelesswisdom.com, click on Homepage to go inside, and then Web Teleconference will take you to the archive of all the past programs and there's a tool there you can use to forward the programs without any charge whatsoever to your friends. All of this is made possible by our sister site at FocusedPassion.com, and there's six free sample programs there for you as well. If you visit at your leisure, remember the ED, Focused, FocusedPassion.com. Click the button that says, maybe later, just send me the free stuff and you'll get uh, all six programs in the built-in player. you got to get a password as well. Thanks for being with us. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. And aloha from Maui, Hawaii.